Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, August 25th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On Tuesday, the commissioners of the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 got together for a press conference and pledged their allegiance to each other in an alliance. They called it a measure to help stabilize college sports in wake of so many changes over the past months. But the change that truly sparked this action was the SEC grabbing Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12. On today's Sports Beat KC, the McClatchy realignment coverage team of Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star, and Drew Davison, the TCU beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and yeah, that's what I'm calling you guys, the McClatchy realignment coverage team. Well, they get together to discuss what was said by the commissioners and how it impacts the Big 12. Yes, the commissioners were asked directly about the Big 12's future. After a break, you'll hear the responses from Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren and then ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. The third commissioner in the alliance and in the conversation is the Pac-12's George Klievkoff. So let's get started on the college sports news that's dominating the eve of football season realignment. We're back on Realignment Central with Kellis Robinette and Drew Davidson. And guys, we got to hear a news conference today. We're recording this on Tuesday. And so just a couple hours after ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, and in one of the mysteries solved today, the pronunciation of Pac-12 Commissioner George Klievkoff, got to get it. Actually, I heard it pronounced a couple different ways, and I'm going to go with Klievkoff. Uh, so I don't know about you guys. Sounds right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dispute you on that one. <laughs> Just call him Commish K, George K. That's right. That's right. There's been a Coach K, now a Commish K. So the uh, the purpose of this conference call was to formally announce the alliance among those three conferences. So they had a, kind of an opening statement for about. I don't know, anywhere but 15 to 20 minutes. And then they took questions for another half an hour or so. And listen, for people who are kind of fans of schools or the conferences of the ACC, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they were looking for information about scheduling alliance and how many conference games might, might these teams play if they you know, if they have the scheduling alliance and when it would start and what about the timeline. Well, in Big 12 country, we have a different matter to discuss, and that is um, what happens to the Big 12. And uh, give Jim Phillips of the ACC credit. He was he answered it directly when asked by Kurt Bowles of the Austin American Statesman, who, as Kurt can do, be kind of blunt with his questions. And it was like, basically, uh, what's going to happen to the Big 12? So Phillips gave us an answer like, you know, the power, you know, the power five needs the big 12. He expects her to continue to be a power five com- You know, the big 12 is a power five conference. Kellis, what did you make of that response? Total pandering. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I, I mean, if, if the big 12 mattered that much to them, they'd be in the Alliance that Bob Bowles, would have been up there on the news conference zoom thing with them. I thought that, I thought that was just kind of like, I don't know. Like, like me, I got a bunch of kids. Sometimes we have friends over and I'm talking to another dad, a kid runs up and is asking me, Hey dad, what do you think about this? And I'm just like, here kid, here's, here's a popsicle. Leave me alone. I think that's a lot like what this was. 
Kirk Bowles is coming in and saying, hey, what about the Big 12? And they said, well, here's here's your answer. It doesn't really matter. Get out of here. I mean, I thought that and them saying Bob Bowlesby, you know, just this genius, this great leader. We all respect so much. Well, if you respect him so much, why isn't he here talking to everybody? Uh, I, I didn't, I don't know. I don't know why they even, if they were just going to say that, they should have just said no comment or something. I thought it was ridiculous. It's, it's clear where they stand. And then the biggest news of all comes after this when, uh, K says that they're going to decide in the Pac-12 whether or not they're going to expand by the end of the week. So, I mean, that that honestly, I think, means more to anybody in Big 12 country than anything. They want to know that answer, not what the heck is going on with this alliance. Yeah, yeah, just to kind of agree with Kellis there. And, you know, th- this whole thing is, you know, especially, you know, it's kind of a nothing burger, right? There's no contract, no signed deal nothing like that more of just a, a agreement a gentleman's agreement so to speak so it doesn't seem like it would have been that far-fetched to include the big 12 if they really did value them uh in this meeting because there's nothing of substance <laughs> like uh you, you know really coming out of it, it until of course after as Kella said uh end of this week i guess the pac-12 is going to make an announcement whether they're going to go through the process uh of expansion and I've also heard from Klevkov in um, previous stories that, look, everybody and his brother and sister had, had reached out to the Pac-12 as expansion candidate. And I, the three of us uh, have discussed who those candidates could be from the big, well, they're all the remaining schools from the, from the big 12. It's any, anything to stay with a, a power five conference I, I was also struck by something else Philip said today, and he this is toward the end of the Q&A session. He downplayed the idea of expansion for his conference, and they wasn't, I don't, he wasn't speaking for Kevin Warren of the, of the Big Ten, but basically said, um, you know, the, the, there's no reason to do it right now. And, and that goes along with some of the thinking I've had that, listen, I, I think what we're going to hear from the Pac-12 later this week is – Either they, they might explore it, but do it on a, you know, an elongated timetable, or they're not going to explore the idea at all. And depending, there's no reason to make this, to make a move or an announcement right now, um, depending on when Oklahoma and Texas can leave the Big 12. You know, again, if it's, if it's more than one year, then there is time for more careful consideration from these conferences on whether they want to expand and have conversations with their network partners on how they can make the money work. And we've talked all about that. So yeah, Kellis, you're right. The bigger news came after the conference when, when the PAC 12 said it was, you know, it's, it's, it's going to make an announcement later in the week, but frankly, I, I don't expect Kansas, Kansas state, Iowa state, TCU and the others to, you know, to be sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for this announcement. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it would just seem a little weird to go through all these theatrics of this alliance um, that, you know, promises a lot, but initially delivers very little to now come out and say, okay, we, we preach stability. You know, we, we preach the three of us are, are going to be the stabilizing force in college athletics, but now we're going to expand and we're going to take the big 12 teams. Um, that would surprise me a little bit. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, anybody listening to this thinking, you know, the, the Dave Wanstat theory is going to work out that Kansas State and Oklahoma State are shoe-ins to the Pac-12. I, w- I wouldn't go betting a million bucks on that just yet. I-, I will say, though, that I think more than anything, they were maybe referring to they won't be poaching teams from each other. Does the ACC and the Pac-12 have enough juice to poach anybody other than Big 12 teams? I don't know. 
the Pac-10, the, the Big Ten could, I suppose. But if there's any hope of Pac-12 expansion, I would say I think it was more in that, that they at least left the options open that, you know, if you're into conspiracy theories, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe, italicize that word, they left the Big 12 out because some of these conferences actually do want to at least think about adding Big 12 teams down the line. If you're looking for a glimmer of hope, that's maybe part of it. But you're right. I don't think I don't think they're going to follow up this alliance talk with expansion with an expansion announcement. And even if they do, I, I agree with you, Blair. I think it would be very long term in mind. It's not going to be happening anymore. You brought up Dave Wanstead. He, he created a ripple uh, <laughs> earlier today. What the heck was that about? <laughs> he came out of a production meeting or something. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I mean, it certainly seems like it would carry weight after talking to TV executives and, and whatnot that, hey, they may have a, a mindset of, hey, this is where the Pac-12 should go or, or whatnot. But yeah, it, it was definitely very uh, bizarre, just kind of kind of like fans, right? Like, oh, these two schools are make sense here. West Virginia to the ACC, even though if the ACC's won West Virginia, they could have had them. Uh, at any point in the last two decades, but uh, you, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it, it was kind of like I don't know what to make of it because it's like it's kind of like how fans talk, but at the same time, uh, we all know how influential TV executives can be in, in this matter too. Well, and they he totally showed no respect for the Texas schools. I think I think <laughs> I think we need to ask Drew to stand up for TCU and to a lesser extent Baylor and Tech here. I mean, your, your schools are just being left out in the cold. What's up? Well, I, I will say, like, for the Pac-12 and, and expansion, if, if you know, they, they are the one conference that kind of needs to expand, so to speak, at, from 12 teams. If they want to get up to 14 teams, let's say, as match the ACC, Big Ten, whatnot. And I do think Texas, TCU, and Tech, and Baylor have to just sell the state. The importance of being in Texas the, the recruits that come out of it and whatnot. And I, I would say, you know, they could make the same pitch to the Big Ten and ACC about what being in Texas can bring to the conference in terms of, you know, look at Ohio State's new five-star quarterback right from the backyard of Texas. So, uh, yeah, Dave wants that definitely missed the ball there. <laughs> I, just, I just don't see, especially with the Pac-12, I don't see how they could expand and not take a Texas school. That seems crazy to me. I mean, I could see Oklahoma State. I could even see Kansas State being in a bundle somehow, but to exclude Texas entirely just seems crazy. It's it's the, the best geographic fit. It's the best recruiting fit. It's the most exposure fit. I just don't see how you could make that move and not take one Texas team. That seems crazy to me. One of the issues with the Pac-12 would be when the presidents get together and they talk about academics and AAU affiliation, and that you know that doesn't come up necessarily when the SEC expanded, although although Texas is an AAU school, but it does come up when, when other you know conferences discuss it. Um, to what extent it matters? No. Uh, I, I ultimately I, I don't think it would, but um, but it, it, it's it's better to have that affiliation than than to not have it. And Kansas and Iowa State are the only two Big 12 schools that have it. Right. Of the remaining of the reigning schools in, in the Big 12 after Texas No U leave. So uh, Kevin Warren was gracious. So he he thanked the media members of the three conferences uh, right at the beginning. You know, he thanked the media members who cover the the ACC, Pac-12, and 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 and, uh, and Big Ten. He did not thank any of the Big Twelve media members. <laughs> I took note of that. He, he he did not hear our voices. No, he cannot thank. Good good to hear your voice. <laughs> he he didn't let me ask a question either. So. That's right. 
Right. What were you going to ask, Kellis? Well, initially, I was going to ask if this alliance of theirs um, changed their approach on expansion, particularly Kamish Kays, because he's the one who's been talking about it. But after they answered Kurt Bowles' question, if they were going to call on me, I was going to ask, well, why in the heck didn't you just invite the Big 12 to this thing if you guys are talking so glowingly about them? Um, and that still just puzzles me. Why, why are you going to come out here and say, oh, we, we, need, we want, we need the Big 12 to survive, just not enough to be part of our club? I mean, I, I think the Big 12 needs to form an alliance with any other conference that it listens so they can go back and get revenge on, the, on these conferences. We're still in a great time of uncertainty with Big 12 schools, but it's never, we can never ask too often, what is the, what's the best option? Let's say short of, you know, of, if the eight schools stay together and Bob Bowlesby remains the commissioner um, and, and Texas and Oklahoma leave after this school year to go into the SEC, what is the best path for the eight schools? Is it to identify a handful of others in another conference or other conferences and try to continue as a 12, 10, 12, even 16 team league, or um, does it depend on whether there's a network interested in that idea? What do you think, Kellis? I still think everybody's first priority is going to be looking out for numero uno. I don't care about the other seven. I want to be in a power conference for the TV money, if nothing else. I think it has to be that. But if now let's say that doesn't happen, let's say the Pac-12 comes out and says we're not expanding right now. I think that a timely answer here from the Pac-12 will do a lot of good for the Big 12 and especially Big 12 fans, because I think whatever they decide, whether they're expanding or not, I think fans can at least take that first step to, OK, here's what's happening next. Right. If they expand, then everybody can put their eggs in the let's impress the heck out of the Pac-12 basket, you know, in that basket. Let's do everything we can to get in that league. Or if they say they're not expanding, then everyone can actually start looking at the idea of expanding on their own, bringing in schools like Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, whoever you want, um, you know, UTSA, Rio Grande Valley, I don't care who it is, bring in somebody. Um, you can actually start looking at those options with, without, you know, the disdain of, Ugh, well, that's not as good as joining a power conference. Um, that would actually, you know, emerge as a more palatable plan than what it is right now just because everybody's dream is if you're a KU fan you want to go to the Big Ten if you're a TCU fan K-State fan you want to go to the Pac-12 anybody will have you at least when once the Pac-12 has this answer out of the way even if it's no I think it'll be good for fans that they can start looking at these other options and instead of saying what conference can we get into maybe they start saying hey who else should we add because I still do think I mean the money won't be the same it just won't we're gonna have to get over it but I think a league that featured the remaining eight plus Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, whatever you want, Central Florida, I still think that would be the fifth best conference in the country and it would still be viable. Yeah, I mean, the clear gut punch to the remaining eight would be if the, the three in the alliance, you know, say no one's expanding, including the Pac-12. Uh, but I, I do agree. I mean, then you can flip the page and say, okay, and I've heard that Houston and BYU are probably the most attractive in terms of media rights. Uh, so I think those two would be, you know, kind of any expansion talk, I would start with those two. And then you know, I think a Colorado State could be an attractive team, a Memphis, a Cincy. Um, and I think, you know, you, you can have a good, fun league. Obviously, every all the remaining eight will just have to bite the bullet knowing, hey, our revenue is going to come down. But at that point, at least, you know, hey, you got three years to, 
you know, kind of plan and maybe, you know, figure out how to wind things down or, or get, you know, to where that budget makes sense. But, um, but I do think it would bring a little bit of closure as opposed to everyone just thinking like, Oh, could the ACC, you know, double down on basketball and bring in Baylor and Kansas or whatever, like rumors, the latest rumors out there. Let me ask you guys get this. Let's say, let's say the big 12 decides, let's say the Pac-12 says we're not expanding big 12 actually starts looking at expansion. You think there's any way they could expand while Texas and Oklahoma are still in the league? Absolutely. I, I could argue that they should just to help uh, Houston or uh, uh, whoever just, Hey, you can go sell recruits that, Hey, you're going to play Texas or OU at least once or twice in your college career and maybe get them a little bit of a head start recruiting that way. I've always believed that in the, in the last expansion uh, exploration by the big 12 back in 2016, it was Texas and OU that put the kibosh on it. I, I think the other schools were, you know, fine, whatever, um, but they couldn't get the word from television partners that, you know, going to 12 or 14 or whatever would, would, would be, would make economic sense. And I think ultimately Texas and Oklahoma made, made that call. So two things, uh, I, Kellis, I agree with you. I, I think that if, if the big 12 stays intact and added two to four more members, I, I actually do think you could call it a power four and a half, right? Not a power five, and it's a, it's above the the other the other group, but but I also have in the back of my mind, other conferences are just kind of waiting for the Big Twelve to dissolve and to pick off you know schools in the Big Twelve. Is the would the Big Twelve be strong enough with its eight remaining schools to fend off a an American saying no? Here's who we want. We want you and you and you and you and. We've got the ESPN contract. The Big 12 doesn't have anything beyond 24, 25. And I don't know what the Mountain West uh, deal is, but I wonder, I just wonder without a comp, without a deal beyond 24, 25, that the Big 12, the remaining eight schools in the Big 12 can actually bargain from a position of strength when it comes to expansion. Well, that's kind of why I mentioned the, the possibility of expanding while Texas and Oklahoma are around. At least if you did it right now, you could say, Look, you're only getting seven million dollars a year in TV revenue in the AAC. Come here, you know, we'll make you junior members, whatever you want. You can make 30, 25. Maybe there's even a way that they can make them full members. Um, and we'll pro- and we'll promise, you know, if we got the votes to do it. We'll promise that you get to host Oklahoma and Texas in your stadium before they leave. I mean, I, I think that would be a compelling reason for other teams to do it. And um, the Big 12 also does have its, its deal with uh, with the Sugar Bowl, right? They've got the tie-in to a, to a New Year's Day Bowl, which the other conferences would not. So th- that's why I asked that. If, if they're going to act and they're going to act from a position of strength, now is probably the time to do it. And in, uh, in four more years, you're right. At that point, maybe maybe some of these other leagues have uh, figured out a plan where they could be, uh, be the poacher instead of the poachee. Gosh, maybe uh, Houston and BYU could host Texas and Oklahoma all four years. <laughs> you got to go to Provo every year. Yeah. Well, actually, TCU, when they left the Mountain West for the Big 12, the Mountain West flipped the Boise State game. They were supposed, Boise State was supposed to come to Fort Worth in TCU's last year, which was 2011 in the Mountain West. The league office, of course, flipped that. Oh, no. To, to where TCU had to play at Boise. But TCU won, I think it was 36-35 or 35-34, something like that. So Gary said the football gods are never wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, before we get out of here, have you guys talked to any coaches about the latest developments? Uh, I, I talked to uh, Jamie Dixon. I'll have a story on startprogram.com uh, <laughs> later this week. You, you know, every coach, and Gary Patterson said the same thing uh, the other week, is they're, they're optimistic. They feel good about the position that TCU is in, the level of play they've, you know, shown here the last decade since being in the Big 12. But, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like everyone else, just kind of monitoring the whole situation. And But I don't think any of them are thrilled uh, you know, I think they they both thought the Big 12 was a great league, great conference, and, you know, why fix something that isn't broke, so to speak? But obviously, uh, when the two flagships bolt, that changes things. I don't have anything good to add there. All the football coaches I talked to are so in football mode. They're like, this isn't even a thing for them right now. <laughs> As they should be. The, the season starts next week. That's the crazy thing about all this. We've got real-life football in a week and a half, <laughs> we did not spend one second talking about it today. Not one until just now. Stanford, K-State, big showdown in Arlington, Texas. <laughs> I still think they should just say the winner of that game gets to decide conference realignment. <laughs> there you go. There's some motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Gene Taylor suiting up. For <laughs> All right, guys, great conversation. Uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we'll play some of the question and answer session with the three conference commissioners, uh, Jim Phillips from the ACC, Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, and George Klebakoff of the Pac-12. So thanks to Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star and Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Yes, to any of the three gentlemen, uh, I'm curious, uh, if y'all fear for the survival of the Big 12 uh, once the expansion goes through, and is that bad for the future of college football and athletics? Commissioner Warren, do you want to start this one? Thank you for the question. Uh, quite naturally, you know, uh, speaking for us in the Big Ten, and and um, and I'm sure George and Jim feel this way, I have the utmost respect uh, for Bob Bosley, the commissioner of the Big 12. Uh, he's been a great leader uh, in the Big Ten at Iowa and in the Pac-12 at, at Stanford and also uh, with the Big 12. So I'm confident that under Bob's leadership, 
that uh, he will do what's best for his conference. And again, you know, a lot of these uh, these issues that we've been dealing with are are issues that have have been uh, uh, on the table here for really weeks and 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 not months. And so a lot of this stuff is fresh and new. But I'm sure Bob will will. Uh, We'll figure things out and we'll do what is right uh, for the Big 12. There are a lot of fine uh, institutions in the Big 12, not only from an academic standpoint, but from an athletic standpoint. And so I think as, as you know, situations like today, by announcing this, as we said, and I feel very strongly about, hopefully this will bring some much needed stability in college athletics. And I also think what it will do is now it will allow people to understand where everyone else stands uh, because some of the events over the last couple months uh, have, have kind of shaken the foundation of, of the beliefs of college athletics. And so hopefully this will allow uh, other conferences um, to be able to kind of work through their various issues and, and figure out what's best for them in the future. But again, Bob has only had an incredible uh, successful history and I'm confident that he'll figure out uh, what to do uh, with with his leaders in the Big 12 and, and on behalf of his student-athletes. Let, let me jump in as well. I think Kevin said it well. Um, let me put it directly. We want and need the Big 12 to do well. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 matters in college athletics. The Big 12 matters in Power 5 athletics and our FBS group. And so I, I can just tell you that we'll be watching what occurs here. And obviously this transition isn't supposed to be taking place for another four years, but this group in particular will be very interested to see what happens and to do everything that we can to try to make sure that again, college athletics looks similar to what it is today about the numbers of opportunities, the commitment to one another, the support of one another, um, during really difficult moments, which we're faced with right now. Thank you. We will take our next question from David Teal. This is for all three. Given your intent not to blow up any current scheduling contracts, but add more games among your three conferences, is college football moving to a regular season where the Power Five, Autonomy Five, play only one another? I can start by saying there's no intention as part of the alliance about increasing the number of games uh, that the football teams play during a regular season. And there is no intention to stop our teams from being able to, within the alliance, also schedule games against any other conference um, that they want to schedule games against. They'll have flexibility in games that they'll be able to schedule. And it's our hope that they continue to schedule games against other Power Five conferences and uh, other conferences in Division One as well. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Andrea Adelson. Hi, everyone. Thank you for uh, doing this. Uh, for all three, if, if I could, if the finances weren't really the sole focus and there has been a lot of discussion about uh, the SEC pulling further ahead financially, um, what is this alliance specifically going to do to, to help that if the finances aren't something that you guys are focused on? I would say, I don't think anyone said we aren't focused on finances. I would, what I said was that that's not the driving issue that caused us to form the alliance. Uh, obviously, everyone's focused on finances and focused on doing what's best for all of their schools and will continue to do that. I think the creation of these interconference games 
across all time zones with interesting new matchups uh, provides all of us the opportunity to think about how that benefits our schools long-term. Commissioner Warner, Commissioner Phillips. Yeah, I think, I think George, I mean, said it well. So I think the biggest thing is for us to start uh, as far as what's the right thing to do. And I think what this does is it allows us to lean into certain uh, academic issues, uh, mental health and physical wellness issues, health and safety of our student athletes, gender equity issues, social justice. Um, it allows us to take a look at, you know, all of those things that we're facing now on a daily basis that impact our student athletes. And quite naturally, it allows us to create compelling matchups. And like I said, not only in football, but in men's and women's basketball and other Olympic sports and, and do things from a preseason standpoint and midseason. Uh, we just will work through a lot of different ideas. And one of the things we're fortunate to all have great uh, media partners. Um, and just with the changing climate and in the media landscape on just linear television and, and from an, an OTT standpoint, there will probably be some unique opportunities. But one of the things that we've promised ourselves is do the right thing for the right reasons for the right people, and that is for our student-athletes. And in doing so, I think it'll be very clear that, that other unique uh, opportunities, not only from a media, but from a business standpoint, will be uh, created, uh, but for, for, the, for the right reasons at the right time. But, but today is really, you know, is a signal that uh, three strong conferences uh, have an opportunity who have shared values and, and, uh, and to be able to work together and who want to prioritize the things that we feel that are important in college athletics at this point in time. I, I would just add one other element because I think both George and Kevin uh, answered your question well, Andrea. But at times, we, we understand the, the financial piece, and it, and it usually is the driver of a lot of decisions. And I can speak to you directly in the sense that this was a time that we felt we had a responsibility to stabilize a volatile environment, to focus in on the things structurally that we have to do if we want to see college athletics not only survive, but excel. And that is new government instruction, Alston, what we're faced with with the transfer portal, et cetera. And so sometimes it can't be driven by money. Sometimes it has to be the fundamental components of the enterprise that you fight for, that you have a responsibility for, and that ultimately you're committed to making sure that it lasts for the next generation of student athletes. And this is too important to too many student athletes across the country, 500,000 or so. The collegiate model, though imperfect, is a place that allows access and affordability to a group of young people that may have never accessed higher education or ever have had a chance to pay to go to college. Thank you. We will take our next question from Bruce Feldman. Thanks, Amy. Uh, a question for you guys just from earlier about there being no signed document. I mean, Jim, you just talked about stabilizing a volatile environment. I mean, what do you say to people who listen to that and think, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to some big 12 ADs who felt like the big 12 was as stable as it had been for the last decade to have no signed document. You have 41 different schools. Obviously there are some that are going to have seem to have more leverage than others who would, you know, to think that there is no signed document, that this Alliance isn't very binding at all. Um, how do you, I guess, how do you ensure people feel like this is actually 
has some strength where you don't think somebody's going to pull an end run or do something outside the alliance to better their own specific situation. I'd say this, Bruce, it's about trust. It's about we've looked each other in the eye. We've made an agreement. We have great confidence and faith. Our board chairs have looked each other in the eye and have committed to the same level of support and connection to one another. Our athletics directors have done that. And so if that's what it takes to get something considerable done, then, you know, we've, we've lost our way. Of course, binding contracts uh, serve a purpose. But at this juncture, that to us wasn't a critical element of it. And um, we'll certainly see where all this goes. But, but I know what we discussed. We all know what was the, we discussed. And we're very confident about executing on all that's been described today. Bruce, good to hear your voice. And again, I think it's a great question. And, and even though I'm a lawyer, I mean, but uh, one of the things that one of my uh, most favorite law professors at uh, Notre Dame would say that uh, uh, if you have to go back and look at a contract that you signed, you probably entered a deal with the wrong parties. And, and I think what that says is our contracts important? Absolutely. They're critically important. But where we are in college athletics right now, uh, what we really need is, is things to be stable. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. I mean, you look at the NCAA going through the Constitutional Convention review. I mean, we have NIL, we have Austin, we have CFP expansion, we have the gender equity you know, issues. I mean, we have many, many issues that we have to deal with, and especially conference realignment. And so we just felt that we could look each other in the eyes, shake each other's hand, to say that we have a fiduciary responsibility to the past student athletes, our current student athletes, and our future student athletes uh, to be able to do something that is right, you know, for once, uh, and to really work together. And I can speak from experience. My father was a student athlete in the '40s uh, at Arizona State University. When fought in the war, war came back and finished his his degree. Uh, my brother was a student athlete in the '60s at Stanford. I was a student athlete in the 80s, and my son is a student athlete right now at Michigan State. So just speaking from experience, the, that whole essence of college athletics has run through my family all the way since the 1940s. And it gave people who look like me an opportunity to go to college, uh, to be able to compete athletically, to get multiple degrees, uh, to be able to learn about teamwork and honor. And, and faith and camaraderie and integrity. And so I'm a big believer that there are some times in life that you need to be able to work together and do what's right for the right reasons. And I think what this shows today, even to our current student athletes, that adults uh, can come together, can work together, can keep their word and do what's right uh, for the younger people who are looking up to us. So it's been a proud moment to be able to work with Jim, to be able to work with George, to be able to work with all of our campus constituents to come together and let's say, let's do something that's well needed at this point in time. Show some leadership. All of the other accoutrements will, will come at the appropriate time. But I think today and the next couple of months will really be about making sure that we're organized, that we create some stability in, in this enterprise of college athletics that has been good to so many people, many of you who are or who are in the media, you were blessed to be college athletics, uh, but participate in college athletics. But I know speaking from, from where I sit and, and the impact of being a student athlete has had on my family 
and uh, still has on my family to this day. I will forever be grateful uh, to this environment of college athletics and will do everything that I possibly can with these two men and other conferences for us to be able to work together as we look forward and leave a lasting legacy that we owe. We have a responsibility to our future generations to do what's right at the right time for the right reasons. Today is a press release, but it's also a commitment, and it's a commitment among 41 institutions. And I would say what my parents taught me, which is um, don't measure me by what we say, measure us by what we do over the coming uh, months and years and decades. And uh, I couldn't be happier about the alliance, and um, I'm okay with there not being a signed contract. We didn't even focus on that, didn't even talk about that. We'll take our next question from Adam Rittenberg. Yeah, hi guys, just thanks for taking the time. I'm just curious of all the factors that may have motivated this discussion and the ultimate alliance. How much was the SEC's uh, expansion with Texas and Oklahoma in that process? How much did that factor in, whether it didn't at all or, or, or did at some point when you guys were putting this together? I'll answer that to start. Adam, good to hear your voice. Uh, I have great respect for the SEC. I have great respect for Greg Sankey and his leadership. Um, I would say one of the most powerful mentors in my life was Mike Slive, uh, who was the SEC commissioner uh, before Greg, who, who helped train Greg. Um, you know, Mike had an Im important just role in, in my life. My son is an SEC graduate. Uh, he received an undergraduate degree from Mississippi uh, State University before he became a grad transfer to Michigan State University. And so um, even as late as yesterday, you know, we have weekly calls with our A5 commissioners and Bob and Greg and George, Jim and myself were on the phone call. Um, so we communicate regularly. Um, and quite naturally, I, I, I think what the SEC um, had an opportunity in, 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 in accepting Texas and Oklahoma to their conference. Um, I think what that did is that that allowed all of us in college athletics to, to make you maybe take a step back and take a step forward to really start evaluating what will the next one, three, five, seven, 10, 15 years look like in college athletics. I mean, quite naturally, because we're in this business, we're always aware of conference realignment. I mean, the Big Ten has grown over the last couple of years uh, by having individuals from other conferences join. So that's always there. Uh, but I just think, um, uh, you know, from, from, from where we sit, we have to be aware as far as what's going on. I mean, even one of the things that we learned from COVID last year is that we live in uncertain times. So I wouldn't say this is a reaction to Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, but I think uh, uh, to, to, to be totally candid is that you have to evaluate, you know, what's going on in the landscape of college athletics. And, and uh, but with all the things that we, we are facing, which we've talked about on numerous occasions and, and where we really are, uh, this is a year for seismic shifts. And I think it's really important to make sure that you are, are aware of all these different things going on and make sure that from our individual conferences that we do all we can to make sure we protect our conferences and, and, uh, and build strong you know, relationships to make sure that we protect our, our student athletes. I would also just add, Adam, appreciate the call. In the history of college athletics, one expansion of a conference has usually led to another, to another, and to another. And to the three of us, we felt the stabilization of the current environment 
across Division One and FBS and in, in Power Five in particular. This was its chance for a new direction, a new initiative that I don't think has ever been done before and felt that that was the most appropriate step at this current time. And we're proud of it. We really are. And, um, and I think we all believe this is the right step in order for all of us to move forward at a critical juncture. Again, when you talk about a new governance structure, the 21st model of the NCAA, Alston, we're all dealing with that. So we're better together than we are separate. But I think you have to have a group that, that really understands that expansion doesn't mean you, you end up changing membership across multiple conferences in a significant shortened period of time. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette and Drew Davison for stopping by and talking realignment. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they're posted first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And it is a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, who played their third preseason game on Friday, those sizzling hot Royals, the colleges, and all the realignment drama, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Hey, whether it's the SportsPass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.